black preachers who are, are racist in their hearts. Uh, they, are, they are not called by God, but they've been called by their mama. The Jesse Lee Peterson Show is the only program in existence which deals straight up with black Americans. So-called civil rights leaders want them angry, dumbed down, and demoralized. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson, and this is the Jesse Lee Peterson Show. I, before I get in, uh, uh, into my subject matter, I'd like to invite you to email me, phone call me, write me a letter uh, with any suggestions, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you disagree with something I've said, and you'd like to come on and discuss the issue, feel free to call me or email me. We will definitely have you on. My guest today is Pastor Leonard Cotton, and he is the pastor of Calvary Chapel here in uh, Midland, Odessa, Texas. Um, pastor Cotton, thanks for coming on. Well, thank I, you, I, thank I you for having me. <laughs> um, the first thing I'd like to know is, were you called by God, or, or uh, did you go to school to become a pastor? No, there was definitely a call. A calling. Yeah. And the reason I ask, because I meet a lot of preachers now, and I find that most are not called. What is the evidence that you were called by God? It began with an earnest desire to just study the Word of God more. But as I began doing that, God impressed upon me, you need to start sharing this. Right. And then as I sort of argued with him about it, that there's many other people out there much more worthy than me to do this. Uh, it started getting to the point to where I, I was uneasy, uncomfortable, remaining in a secular job. I was dissatisfied. What age were you at the time? About 24, 25. Oh, okay. And at the same time, it was like he's putting this thing in my heart that, and I can't help but go ahead and say something for Jesus. Okay. Um, have you noticed that a lot of pastors are not called by God, even though they've gone to school and, and they have you know, received pastor degrees, I guess, but they are not called by God. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have. Uh, what is for the, con for the audience out there or congregation, people who are going to these different churches, what is the evidence uh, of a pastor who is not called by God? And what should people do if they're sitting in a church and can recognize that their preacher is not called by God? I would say one of the things is uh, they, they won't believe the scriptures, for one thing. They will oftentimes start explaining away the scriptures, the miracles and those kind of things. But they, they won't take a strong stand on the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, those kind of things. And it, they look at it like it's more of a job. You get up at 8, and at 5 o'clock you go home. Right. And uh, when God calls you, it's 24-7. It's uh, and, and I think with that call, you also, you need to, you know, you believe in who you represent. Right. Um, what should people do if they find that they're sitting in a church and the preacher's not called by God? What should they do, the audience or the congregation do? I would suggest that they find a pastor who is called, who shows evidence of that, 
and seek out a church to a person like that pastors and go to. The Bible says that uh, our body is a temple, temple of the Lord, mm -hmm. and it's there that we should worship Him. What is the purpose of going to a, a building and sitting and listening to someone else talk about God? Well, first of all, it says, forsake not the assembling together of ourselves, such as is the manner of some. So I think from the beginning, the Lord wanted us to assemble together. And there's something about coming together also in an atmosphere of corporate worship, right. that the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit can be there that is not the same if you're just by yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, in the church, uh, nowadays, a lot of preachers uh, allow their wives, their mama, their girlfriends to become preachers. Should that be happening? Well, I'm in a group that is uh, called Calvary Chapel, and in our organization, uh, we don't allow women to teach from the pulpit in that way. That, However, they are allowed to teach in like women's ministries, children, those kind of things, but not to be referred to as pastors. And, and why not? Why don't your church, allow, Calvary, Calvary Chapter, allow that? From the example that is set in, in basically the book of Acts, Jesus called men. He yeah. sent men. Uh, he, uh, he placed men in, in places of authority. And that's not to take away the very important aspect of women in the church. Uh, uh, Jesus had women that ministered to him and helped out. However, uh, it seems to be God's pattern that he chooses men when he does the calling. He right. puts men. So why do you think these preachers are allowing their wives and other women to become pastors and ministers and preachers and stand in a pulpit? Why do they allow that, you think? I really don't know. <laughs> However, um, I think when men fail to stand up yeah. and do what they're supposed to do, God will then call women to, feel, to stand in the gap. Oh, you do? You think so? And I think uh, occasionally on the mission field, when either the husband is killed or dies, and another man isn't there to take his place, oftentimes you'll see the wife will step in and take but that. When you say step in, she would step in and just kind of maintain some order until a man can come along? Do you mean that? They don't, they don't become preachers in that, at that point, right? Oftentimes not. No. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. I think one of the reasons, or many reasons that they're doing it is that one is that most of these preachers are afraid of their wives. And so they, <laughs> <laughs> they you know how, they, how the world say that women are equal to men and, you know, we're supposed to do the same thing. Yeah. And I think that idea is now have crept into the church. And so a lot of preachers are afraid of their wives. Women tend to draw in other women who bring a lot of money to the churches. Uh, and so the preachers have sold out because of fear and money. Am I wrong about that? Probably not. There, there is some of that. And it's sad to say that oftentimes you'll find the women know their Bible, 
better than the men or they're, they want to study more. And so then you'll see the women taking the spiritual lead in the home. Have you noticed that whenever women take over, uh, all hell break loose? Uh -huh. you know, not, yeah. <laughs> that's because it's out of order. Out of order. Whether it's in the home or in the church, they don't really bring, um, they don't bring peace, they bring hell. Yeah. Because that, am I right about that? I that, think so. That order yeah. is broken. Yeah. Um, so, can you say something to the preachers who are watching this program, those who are allowing their wives to take over? Can you tell them how to overcome that? I don't know that I'm qualified to or not. But, you're a preacher. Uh, I would aren't say you, that. Aren't you, I mean, the fact that you're called by God yeah. makes you qualify, right? Qualifies uh, you. Yeah, but. So, uh, what would you say to them? I would I would say that you, you need to really look at the Bible and what it says, the role of men and the role of women, and stand up and take your rightful place as as God's ordained leader in the home, in the church. Rely heavily upon your wives for counsel and and a prayer partner and that kind of thing. But the man. Uh, he should stand up and, and take, well, the, take the lead. Tell them how to stand up, those who are afraid of their wives. Because, if, you know, if they start standing up to their wives all of a sudden, they're going to have to deal with hell. T can you tell them how to stand up to their wives if they're afraid of her? I would say what Jesus said. I would say begin loving your, your wife, uh, even as Christ loved the church. And love it, her. How do you love her? Give, a, give me examples of how they should love her. Um, be, be an encouragement to her. Be you mean like tell her the truth? Yeah, tell her the truth. Tell her how the cow ate the cabbage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> uh, the, the, the main thing is that the guy needs to get his relationship with the Lord yeah. right. Yeah. And when he does that, then the natural consequence of that is going to be he will start being the leader in the home. Right. It's not and, easy, though, because you have to battle with your wife. Yeah. You know, uh, have, you're married. Yes. You're married. How do you deal with your wife when the hell comes out of her? How long have you been married? 25 years. 25. Are there times when you come home and, like, the hell just come out of your wife? And, and, and if so, how do you deal with that kind of hell? Because a lot of preachers don't know how to deal with that. I get quiet. Or oh, when the hell come out, you yeah, get quiet? <laughs> I get quiet. And, why do you, and what and, happens when you get quiet? Well, a soft answer turns away a lot of wrath. Oh, okay. And you respond in kind and never bring up the past, never bring up, you, you let those things go by the wayside. But as far as being a spiritual leader, uh, the guy, he's supposed to be the teacher in the home as That's well. Right. Yeah. And so if you're doing your job as a teacher of your, uh, your wife and your children, then you go back, you sit down, you open up the Bible and say, okay, let's go back and this is what the Word of God says. And then you go over it and you deal with issues from that perspective of, of having already laid a foundation. Now, I realize a lot of people have not laid a foundation. Right, that's a problem, too. Yeah. They have not laid the foundation already. That's right. Um, is there anywhere in the Bible where it says if the man fell, if your husband, because you said earlier that sometime if the husband don't do his job, God would call the wife to do it. 
Is there anywhere in the Bible where that happened? Oh, there is. Uh, I think her name was Deborah. That was called forth. And, was she married? Uh, can't recall. I don't think so. Oh, okay. But uh, in the, that was in the Old Testament. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there are instances uh, in the book of Acts. There's the, uh, uh, the daughters of Stephen who were the prophetesses. They were women evangelists. And they were very prominent. And it indicates they were single women now. Oh, okay. From, right. from kind of what I gather. In and the, also, they were not preachers. They just kind of told the truth to kind of right. help out. Yeah. Um, have you noticed that most men are weak in society today? Mm -hmm. Most men are weak. You've yeah. noticed that? Why is that? I think it's a failure to have the Word of God really inside of them because when you really have that and you have the spirit of God you you won't compromise your positions yeah. you you'll stand up for right and wrong and I've always been a person that there's very very little gray area it's, right. e it's either right or wrong and I'm a person that there is no gray area yeah it's right or wrong good yeah. or evil um, a lot of them go to church a lot of these weak men are in churches they know mm -hmm. the Bible they quote the scriptures upside down but yet they're very weak in dealing with life. Uh, and so they seem to know the word, uh, and yet they're weak. What is wrong with that? I mean, Some of it may be that they haven't experienced the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Oh, I see. That uh, they, they're just trying to live for Christ in the flesh. How do you and, get the Holy Spirit to come upon you? Uh, ask. And it'll just yeah. come what you ask? Yeah, just ask. And what is the evidence that it has come up on you? You will start having the strength that we're talking about. You had that authority to stand up and be a man? Yeah, you, you have the strength to stand up against, uh, you know, moral issues and ethical issues. And even if it costs you a dollar, costs you your job, costs you something, uh, people today aren't as willing to pay a price. Yeah, they don't uh, want to give up anything. Yeah. Our forefathers uh, of this nation, they knew what they wanted. They yeah. were willing to pay a price for it. Today, there's an absence of that. What is salvation? I hear all the time you need to be saved, you need to be born again. What is salvation? Salvation, that would, uh, in, a, in a nutshell, would be being saved from a destiny of hell from going to hell, and it's saved to being in the presence of Jesus and going to heaven after we die. Um, once you're saved, once you're born again, do you still sin? Yeah. You do sin. Yeah. And so you're not saved from sin then? No, but uh, you're, not saved you're, from sin? You're, you're saved from having it dominate over you. You don't have to be dominated by it, but we all still sin. The Bible but, says that if a man says that, John, I believe, if a man says that he know me, that he's born of me, and he still sins, that he's a lie, the truth is not in him. Uh, what is it referring to? If you can still sin once you're born again. It just refers to the fact that we are redeemed we're bought, or that term you use, saved. But 
we're still living in a, in a body that is subject to the curse, and <clears throat> it's not going to be until we die we go to heaven, eventually get our glorified bodies that we'll be able to live sin-free. So uh, you are a minister, you're a pastor, yes, and you're born again, yeah. called by God. Do you still sin? Yeah, regretfully what? so. What do you do? What's your sin? Oh, you can have a, a, a no, wrong what is, thought. What is yours? What is mine? Uh -huh. What are your sins? Uh, sometimes get angry when I shouldn't. Did you sin Some, today already? I'm sure in some <laughs> way. <laughs> and so, and what uh, just having sin? a wrong thought, a wrong attitude. Oh, so um, you sometimes have the wrong thoughts? You sometimes have wrong Yeah. What kind of thought do you have sometimes? Oh, some of them I wouldn't want people to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you just, uh, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you think the wrong thing for a second. And then you have to say, oh, Lord, forgive me of that. And, so do you create um, your own thoughts? Mm, a lot of times I think thoughts can be. How do you create your own thoughts? Uh, don't have to. They just come to me. But you oh, have they to. they just come to you? But as a born-again person, you need to try to hold your thoughts into captivity. And how do you do and, that? Uh, first of all, by starting the day out, reading the Bible, reading the scriptures. But... Uh, Knowing that, uh, if if you fill your life with the scriptures, then it will keep you from sin. Uh, it just well, because it to, starts to be part of your thought process. Help me to understand this. You said you do, Pastor uh, Cotton. You create your own thoughts, right? Uh, well, I don't <laughs> know. I create my own thoughts, but they they're my thoughts. Yeah. But if 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 they are your thoughts. You should know how you create them, right? Yeah. And how do you create your thoughts? Uh, I'm not sure about that one. I, so I, then what made you think that you create them if you don't know how you do it? Because yeah. if you build a house, you can tell me step by step so how, to how you it. built that house, right? Mm -hmm. But why do you take credit for your thoughts and you can't even tell me how you do it? I hadn't created that thought yet, so I don't know. <laughs> is it possible that you're not the creator of your thoughts? It because is, it doesn't make, let me say, it okay. doesn't make sense to me that you would create bad thoughts, and now you, you, you have to try and, to, and contain or control the thoughts. Yeah. Why would you create bad thoughts? So is it possible that you're not the creator of your thoughts? Uh, it is possible that our thoughts can be manipulated or influenced, I think, by uh, evil, by Satan, right. or by God. Yes. But, so if that's the case, you're not the creator of it. But my flesh, uh, will, you know, the thought process, you're driving down the highway, and you think, okay, I need to turn right here. And so you're thinking that, right. turn right. But, but if you're then, driving down the highway, you're thinking of a, a fine woman, yeah. and you're married. You don't want to think of that, right? No. So you would never create that thought. No, but under uh, the wrong circumstances, that thought can come to you. Come to by, you. Uh, you see a billboard. Right. You go into 7-Eleven, and there's this junk magazines. You see a picture, and and so there's... There is something that has come to you that's... Isn't it somewhere... Doesn't the Bible say that we are not the creator of our thoughts, that our thoughts come and go like the wind, and that we are not the creator of them? 
I haven't read that specific thing. Yeah. Uh, I thought but, I read that somewhere in the Bible that we're not the creator of them. Yeah. And the reason I ask that because, because so many people are tormented by their imagination, by their yeah. thoughts. And they think that, and the reason that they're tormented is because they don't want to think about these things. And, and when these thoughts come, they think that they're the creator of them, so they take credit for them and it tends to destroy them. Yeah. But if they can understand that they are manipulated by another spirit and that they are not the creators of the thoughts, they wouldn't take credit for them and that way they wouldn't feel so bad about it. Yeah. Am I wrong in that? I, I, yes and no. And the way mm -hmm. I'd say no is that the Bible does hold us accountable for not only our actions and our deeds, but our thoughts too. Uh, Jesus said that if you look after a woman and lust after her in right. your heart, yes. you, it's the same as committing adultery. Right. And so uh, he holds us accountable for that. And if I just relegate that to an influence somewhere else, and I say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil made me think it. Well, then I'm not taking responsibility for my own thoughts, my own actions, and... But if you realize that the devil made you think it by tempting you with those thoughts, you tend, you're more likely to let them go yeah. rather than taking it so seriously as though you created the thought. Yeah. It's, it's more of a temptation from the devil than a creation of your own. Yeah. Is that part uh, uh, It is, and, and he can influence me to have a thought, but it's what I do with it. Right. Do, do I stop it? You stop do and let I, it go or do I... Or do I entertain it? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you, uh, we have about five minutes left, and we'll pick up on the next hour, too. Okay. I noticed that a lot of white preachers are afraid of black people. You know, in this last election we just had, when President Bush won, most of the black folks did not vote for him. And I'm disappointed because President Bush is a moral man. Yeah. Instead, they voted for John Kerry, who is a man of the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, why are black preachers t uh, afraid to tell, I mean, white preachers are afraid to tell black people that they need to repent and overcome evil instead of, you know, why are white uh, preachers afraid to tell them that? I don't know. Um, have you I, noticed that they're afraid? I have some, but I know in my own life, when I was growing up in, in high school or in Andrews, Texas, um, one of my best friends was a black fellow. We had classes together. Right. Another of my best friends was uh, a Hispanic guy. And, and so I never got caught into that. But uh, I think when you're called of God to tell someone the truth, color of skin That's right. or et ethnic background it has nothing, nothing to do to with it. it. Uh, a human being is a human being that Jesus So why Christ, don't white preachers tell black people that? You know, like tell them that Jesse Jackson is evil. And don't follow him, but follow God. Why don't? Because I believe that white preachers are going to be accountable for that. Yeah. Why? Why don't they stand up and tell black people that? You think? I think partly what we started with the absence of the call of God on their life. Oh, okay. Uh, you know the prophets uh, in the Old Testament. They definitely were called of God. Right. And whenever they said, "Thus saith the Lord," it didn't matter who That's was right. listening. They okay. they said it. So, when you, do you like ever get together with other white preachers in a meeting, you know, and have a little white preacher meeting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do you say to them, you guys need to get over fear and, and help black people to understand they need 
that racism is not their problem, white folks are not trying to hold them back, but it's sin that's holding them back? Do you try to encourage them to stand up? Because black preachers are not going to tell white, black people the truth. You yeah. do realize that, right? They're going to use them. They want them down. Yeah. Do you ever tell your friends, your white preacher friends, that they need to tell black people to repent? Uh, no, because the conferences and things I go to with fellow pastors, there are also black pastors and Hispanic ones, and we're concentrating on the positive of Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the way, and we're all in agreement. And usually where there's more of a liberal setting of pastors, you won't find me there anyway. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so you're saying that when you go to these meetings, most of the white preachers are already telling black people to, That's right. to repent. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with Jesse Jackson? Yes. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Good man or evil man? I would say he is a man who is deceived about the truth of Jesus Christ. He's not, I wouldn't say he's evil or good. He's just. Well, you have to be one been, or the other. He's right? been deceived. But don't you have to and, be one or the other? Good or evil? Uh, if, well, there's none good except Jesus Christ. Right, but once you're born of Jesus, then his nature is in you. Yeah. And his nature is good through you. Yeah. Uh, do you believe Justin Jackson has Jesus' nature in him, I would or have Satan's to, nature? I would. I, he would have a, a fallen human nature, which is the devil. No, it's just the one that all of us were born with. So do you a fallen think, nature? And, so you think he's a good man or evil man? Uh, he tries to do good. He does. But, yeah. What example of Justin Jackson but, trying to do good? But he does it in the <laughs> wrong way. Can you give me one quick example? We have one minute left. Of um, Jesse Jackson trying to do good. A failure to present Jesus Christ as the Son of God. David Duke. You heard of David Duke? No. I you never heard of David Duke? No. Um, the head of the Ku Klux Klan. You oh, ever heard okay. of him? Yeah. Well, I don't know if David Duke the head of it, but whoever the head is. Mm -hmm. Is that an evil man or a good man? Whoever that person is. I would say that he would probably represent evil. Do but, Jesse Jackson represent evil? Uh, in some ways, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Is it hard to say that? I mean, that he is evil? Or? I, uh, I would prefer not to say that of anyone because I'm wanting to stay in a position of where I would like to see all men come to Jesus Christ as, but don't you and, have, to and have see their them, heart changed. Don't you have to see them as they are, though? If they are evil, you need to see that so you can tell them to repent. Yeah. You know, Pastor, we are out of time. Okay. We're going to pick up on this next week, so make sure you tune in. Pastor Leonard Cotton, we're going to give you his email next time. Thank you. Welcome to the show. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson, and you're watching the Jesse Lee Peterson program. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for telling others about the show as well. I appreciate your emails, your phone calls, and your letters about the show. If you'd like to be a guest on the Jesse Lee Peterson show, let us know about it. If you know someone who would like, you would like to see on the show, let me know about that as well. I am doing a two-part series with uh, Pastor Leonard Cotton. He's from Calvary Chapel in Midland and Odessa, Texas. And Pastor, I appreciate you staying over for me. 
Okay. And the reason you have on the same clothes is because we just stayed over, all right? <laughs> Pastor, we talked about salvation. We talked about um, um, you know, what it means to be born again and all that. Um, what is a real man? What's a man, real man? A real man? Yeah. A, I would say uh, not like is portrayed on television, the guy with the... the uh, AK-47 with the <laughs> bulging muscles and all. Yeah. They can just kill everybody and, and <clears throat> come out without a scratch. You know, that, that's not it. A real man to me is a person who exemplifies all of, the, of what Jesus taught as how you're supposed to live. And by live, I mean how you're supposed to treat your wife and your kids. Honor your father and your mother. Be a yeah. man of honesty, integrity. A man as uh, a real man that has Jesus Christ in his life and then is willing and boldly able to tell others. You know, it takes courage right. to do that. It does. Do you know any real men? Yes. Yes, oh, I certainly some. do. A lot or just one or two? Oh, yeah. A, a lot. lot of them. A lot. Really. Yeah. I haven't, I rarely meet real men. You know, most men are cowards. Uh, most of them are out of control. They don't have a sense of self-control. Mm -hmm. Even when they say they know God, they, they, they are still out of control. Yeah. I meet some once in a while, but I don't know that many anymore. Um, um, what is a woman, a real woman? Oh, the same qualities. Uh, a woman of integrity, honesty, someone in the home who loves and adores and cherishes her husband, submits to him. If he is following Christ, she submits to him, but also one who is not afraid to, to stand up to her children and teach them what's right and wrong, yeah. biblically. And, and uh, also a woman is, is a person that I think, uh, really, really stands behind and with her husband. Um, if she's married, you know. You, you don't have to be a whole woman to be, I mean, you don't have to be married to be... Uh, Become a, a real woman. A real woman. You, uh, you said that she should submit to her husband if, she, if he is a man of God? Mm -hmm. So if a woman is married and her husband is not a man of God, she should not submit to him? Uh, Submit in areas where, you know, as long as she's not being asked to compromise her faith, to do things that uh, would, would not be right at all. And so if um, she's not asked those things, she still should submit to a man who is not a man of God? Oftentimes when she does that, she will win him to the Lord. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I find it's hard for women to submit to men nowadays. Have you noticed that? It is. Even church women, mm -hmm. you know, Christian women. And why is that? I think our society teaches women that you have to be your own person yeah. and lead, get your own career. And oftentimes now we have women who are actually more educated, more trained, more competent even than, than a man. So those women who say that they are born again of God, but yet refuse to submit to their husbands, because of their education, education background and things like that. Would, is it fair to say that they are not born of God? Uh, no. It's not no, fair to no. say that? 
Yeah. Because it would seem to me if if you're not if you are born of God, you have no other choice but to submit. You can't help yourself. Am I wrong about that? Well, you you submit, but in that submission, there are so many things. Uh, the husband, you know, if he's uh, doing drugs and chasing other women and and living a life that is is just not right at all, and she's born again and she's saved. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think the Bible would require her to submit in all areas to a person like that. But there are some some men who are not into drugs because that, those are extreme cases extreme, that you're talking yeah. about. But a lot of men are not into drugs or cheating, and yet their wives won't submit. Yeah. And so is it fair to say that they are not born of God? The women? Right. Uh, Even if they claim to be. No, I, I wouldn't say. It's just that they they haven't submitted maybe to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you haven't and, submitted to the lordship, that means you're not born of him then, right? Uh, I think the Bible really does teach that you can accept Jesus as your savior, but you may not be willing to submit to him as lord. But how do you accept him then if you, I mean, if you accept Jesus and you become one with him, uh -huh. It would seem to me that you have no choice but to act like him. Well, that is the 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 <laughs> right way that people should be going, but there are a, a lot of folks that uh, uh, they 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 won't really really truly submit to Jesus as their Lord. It it's uh, sort of like our children sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> I'm fortunate to have children who did submit and all, but right. they're born in my family, and they go by my name as, you know, families go. But then uh, they may not do the will of the mother and father all the time. Right. They, they're not under our lordship. and But that doesn't mean they're not still our children. And so I, th I can see how someone can be saved but they're not totally submitted to the Lordship of Christ. I often hear people say that God love us all as we are. Is that true? Yeah. He loves us as we are? Yeah. So if he loves us as we are, what is the purpose? Why would he ask us to be born again of him? Because he loves us unconditionally. He, his love. But why require us to, to be born but, and change then? I mean, if he loved us as we are, yeah. it would seem to me he wouldn't ask us to change. Well, the, the reason he uh, requires us to make a change if we're to come into his presence for eternity, because even though we sin or in rebellion against him, he still loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to come and die for us. He, he loves us. However, he loves us so much, he doesn't want to see us remain in sin. He wants us to come out. So of he loves us, but he doesn't love us as we are when we're sinners. Uh, yeah, yeah. He loved, he loved me before I came to know Christ. He loves you. He loves, but but he, didn't, he didn't love you as you were. He loves me, but he hates the sin. So he, he wanted you to change. Change. So he loved you, but he didn't love you as a sinner. 
no, he, he still loves me as a sinner because Christ died for sinners. He he loves us. Right, sinners. but he died so that sinners can change. Yeah. So that means that he didn't want you to be a sinner. Yeah, he doesn't want you to be a sinner. Right, and so he doesn't love you as a sinner. Man. <laughs> he, yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, because uh, when when we share the gospel with someone, whether that person be a really morally good person, or someone who is just uh, totally what we might say is like evil, like you said earlier. They're all under the category of being lost or right. separated from God. Right. And God loves all of those people. And our, my, I feel like my job as a pastor is to come with the good news. Jesus loves you. He died for you. But he wants something better for you. And he's offering you a freedom from all that sin, deliverance from that sin, if you'll accept him as your Savior. And then also the, 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 uh, your destiny will be changed from going to hell, from going to heaven. How do, you, and, how do people accept Jesus as their Savior? I mean, how do you tell them to accept him? How I do it is I, uh, a lot of times I'll go through the Roman road or various scriptures, but basically I'll, I'll say you need, first of all, to admit you're a sinner. Yeah. Admit that you're separated. You know, if you're if you don't realize you're lost, uh, you'll never do anything about it. Right. Just keep on going the same way. Well, admit you're a sinner, and then uh, to uh, turn from that sin, and that's where repentance comes in. Um, and I notice in your in your book and all, you're talking about Jesse Jackson, and what I would say to Jesse Jackson or, or anyone, you need to repent of sin. Repent, turn from that. But in my way of looking at it, repent is a beautiful word. Yeah. Think yeah. about it. For, most if, people don't think If that repent right. wasn't in our, we didn't have that capability. Think of the, the, the mess we'd be in. But God gave us that ability to turn from sin and turn to him. And in the turning to him then, I ask him to forgive me of that, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and come into my heart, come into my life, and take up residence in me, and, and seal me with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then when I die, you know, I'm committed to him, take me to heaven. Do you believe that our battle is a spiritual battle? It's a warfare between good and evil? Good and evil, yeah. And everything yeah. that we do is, is, a, is a battle between good and evil? I think there is a dimension of it, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it's uh, you've probably heard that story of uh, there's two dogs fighting on the inside of me. And the other guy said, well, which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so you agree that the battle is good. We are battling good and evil, not mm -hmm. the physical person, but the spirit. Yeah. Are you able to recognize evil inside another person when you, when you see it? Are you able to recognize that that's what it is? Quite often, yes. And, and, and I mean, a lot of times it's coming out of their mouth. It's, their, right. it's their real easy. And, and so when you see it, are you able to call it out to tell them you are an evil person? Uh, I, uh, 
I usually try to present truth to them and allow the Holy Spirit to convict. So you say, uh, yes, I am yeah. able to tell them that they are evil. Yeah. Yeah. You are able to tell them. Mm -hmm. And when you say that to them, do they receive it or they get upset about it? Usually if you just really point blank say that, they get upset. <laughs> and why do they get upset? <laughs> well, they don't want to hear it. Right. Yeah. right. But, but you, you but are I, able to see it in, yeah. in, in certain people at times, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. And then in our church, uh, in, a, in a congregational setting, um, I usually like to try to read some of the passages of Scripture that will let the Holy Spirit use the Word to convict the person mm -hmm. that they are a sinner, that they're evil, they're wrong. And then go from that to presenting to them the the answer and giving them the, the the hope that we have in Jesus. Abortion. When people women have abortions, is mm -hmm. that good or evil? No, that's wrong. Is it good or evil? It would be evil. It's murder. Uh, how about uh, same-sex marriage? Good or evil? God says that uh, the uh, union that any kind of union between people of same sex is an abomination to him. So that would be evil? Yeah. Evil. How about having babies out of wedlock? Good or evil? Uh, it's a consequence of, of sin. Uh, it's the, the act of giving birth in and of itself is not where the evil lies. It occurred, the evil occurred nine months previous to that. So the evil is having sex outside, sex outside of marriage. Yeah. And the result is having what the Bible calls a bastard child. Yeah. So that would be evil. Yeah, but there again, the birth of that child and him being here, he had no choice in it. Right, not all. the choice, right, but yeah. it's still an evil act. Yeah, but uh, it's the conception. It's what was going on outside of the bond of holy matrimony. Uh, in the black community, 70% of black babies, seven zero of black babies are born out of wedlock. What would you say to black people about that? I'd say you need to repent. Yeah. Repent and uh, you need to need to be in church. Need to... Uh, but a lot, most of them are in church. They're not submitted to the <laughs> Lordship. Yeah, they are in church. Yeah. They know the Bible upside yeah. down. Yeah. They hoop and holler and go to church every day. Yeah. And yet they have babies out of wedlock. Yeah. And the preachers don't say anything about it. Yeah. black preachers. Do you feel sad for black people when you see that? Yeah, I feel sad for everyone. Yeah. yeah white or black. Yeah. yeah. Um, in this last election, I want to bring it up. The platform of the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is evil. And that it supports abortion on demand, mm -hmm. you know, supports same-sex marriage, anti-military. They don't want God to be spoken of in the schools and playgrounds. Can you be a man or a woman of God and vote for the platform, the Democratic platform? I personally don't see how you could be a follower of Jesus Christ, submitted to him, and follow uh, under that platform. I, right. I, I can't see it. So why do you think people do it and say that they are Christians? Part of it I know here in, in West Texas and in the South there's a lot of people who go back to the old Democratic Party 
of uh, the 40s, 50s, uh, <clears throat> and their allegiance is to the party, not to the man. And they're going to vote a Democratic ticket regardless of who is up there, and he, instead of it voting the individual. So they're not looking at the lack of God within the party, the platform. Yeah. They're just voting for the platform. That, yeah, they're, they're but just... But I still can't see how they would do it as, as men and women of God because they have either. to recognize that it's evil. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Uh, <laughs> I'm in agreement with you on that. I, I don't see how they can either. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm just blown away by that. Mm. Even in my community or my friends, I, I see 70, uh, you know, 90% of black people voting for the platform mm -hmm. and... 85% of them say that they believe in God, and I've often said that they're a lie and the truth is not in them. Yeah. Because you're, gonna, you're supposed to look at the character first, mm -hmm. not just because you're a Democrat. You know, it, it just blows my mind to see that. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, what, um, what would you say, how, how can people recognize that they're not of God and that they need to be saved from themselves? What is it that goes on in their life? What can you say to them that cause them to see that they need to be born again, born of God? Uh, the, the obvious thing is, is if your lifestyle is one that goes contrary to the scriptures. But that's an argument that people can, they'll throw up, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I, they I, do I, say that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And I go back to the, the question, well, did you ever disobey your parents one time? Well, everybody has. And, right. and so you've got a point of agreement. And I'll say, well, the wages of sin is death. And, and the definition of sin is you miss the mark. Yeah. And it only takes one, just one, one sin. And if you rebelled against your parent one time, you missed the mark. And that's the difference between us and Jesus. He lived sinless. He, he was free of sin. Right. But most parents are so bad, you can't help but rebel against them. Yeah, that's you know, right. They're impatient. But then you they're go, yelling at each yeah, other. But then you, go, then you go to school, okay, or a police officer. Yeah. Uh, have you ever broke the law, you know? And did you ever tell a lie? Did you ever steal a cookie, a cookie jar when your mother said, don't take it? Uh, just... You know, those are just little, what we would say, uh, petty things. But still, uh, the moral person out there that is uh, the good old boy that's never done anything wrong, <laughs> yeah. so to speak, well, yeah, yeah he has. He's, uh, if he's ever, ever done anything that has broken the law, uh, his, his conscience will tell him. He'll know. And, uh, and then people get to praying for him and... Someone give him a Bible, Bible track or something. One thing will lead to another. Yeah, and he gets convicted that yeah. the Holy Spirit. Are you a real man? Well, I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> you, you would say so? Yeah. Would your wife say that you're a real man? Yes. She would. Yeah. Um, your children, are they closer to you or your wife? Pretty well balanced. It's balanced. Yeah. And what kept the balance there all this, all these years? Both of our involvement oh, and uh, homeschooling them, yes. and both of our involvement with them. Have you noticed that most children are closer to their mothers? A lot are. Yeah. Uh, is that a good thing? 
No, it's not. Uh, there needs to be that balance mm -hmm. in the home. Why isn't it good that they are close to, closer to the mothers? Oftentimes, uh, if you don't have that good relationship with the father, uh, the, if you, you know, Dr. Phil on television, he, he, uh, he said that if you don't have a good relationship, it will lead to a lot of other adult problems yeah. relationship-wise. Yeah, I noticed that and, most boys and girls of all races who are closer to their mothers, they end up becoming drug addicts and alcoholics right. and, and game members and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, they, they're very angry, mm -hmm. you know. They get mad because their dad didn't, uh, d you know, do things with them. He wasn't there for them. But what is it and that the mothers are doing to them to, to create that type of person if they have to be closer to her? What is that she's doing to them? Uh, it may be that, that uh, they're not able to discipline quite like a daddy could yeah. and those kind of things. And that would create a, a violent child or a mm -hmm. violent adult. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, we have about four minutes left. I, I want you to have a little time to give out your address and phone number to your church where if, you know, people in the area, they would like to attend your church because okay. their preacher is failing. Okay. Can you tell them how to, your address is there? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we're located halfway between Midland and Odessa on Highway 191 at the intersection of 191 and 1788, northwest corner. Um, and our uh, phone number is 432-561-9141. I am the pastor, and it's a Calvary Chapel church. Okay. Affiliated, or really not affiliated, we're a fellowship of churches. Right. that uh, originated in Southern California with Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa with Pastor Chuck Smith. And, oh, okay. And uh, the chief distinctive of our church is that we teach through the Bible, beginning in Genesis, and we go all the way through. We just finished our first time through. That's amazing. Yeah. The whole Bible. whole Bible. The entire Bible. Uh, and how long did it take? About nine years. That's a long time. So you probably lost some members along the way, huh? Oh, yeah. People died along the way or left. Or Move away. Yeah. Um, all are welcome and invited to your church, right? That's right. All races and everybody. Yeah. Uh, when are your services? 10.30 Sunday mornings and 7 on Wednesday evening. Oh, okay. 10.30 and 7. Yeah. Um, is there a difference between your church and, let's say, a, a local Baptist church? Not a lot. Like uh, our doctrine is going to be a lot the same. We are a non-charismatic church as far as uh, that spectrum goes. We're a whole lot like a Baptist, but we don't have programs and, and uh, a lot of the fluff that go. You, right. just, like I'm dressed right now, that's the way I preach on Sunday morning. Oh, okay. We're just, we have so chairs, it's real comfortable. Come as you are. Come as you are. Just take a bath. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you say you can recognize good and evil when you see it, right? Uh, most of the time. Uh, Bill Clinton, good or evil? I would say he's on the bad side. Evil. Yeah. Are you saying evil? Well, it's, it depends <laughs> on what you say, e evil, but he's, uh, he's on the bad side, yeah. So would bad be evil? Yeah. Uh, President Bush, good or evil? It's good. Good. Uh, uh, Al Shopton, the so-called Reverend Al Shopton, you heard of him? Yeah. Good or evil? 
Yeah, I would, I would say on the evil side. You would say what? Evil. Evil. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though it's easier for you to say good, it's harder for you to admit that someone is evil. Uh, the reason is because I want to hold out a small flame of hope that the heart of man can still repent. I know, but by pointing out that they're evil, that doesn't mean that they don't have the hope to change. Yeah, yeah. But what they're doing is evil. But, but they, are, yeah. they do what they believe in their hearts, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so if they're evil. Uh, have you, you noticed that it's harder for you to say evil than it is to say good, right? Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to separate myself from anyone, whether it's uh, Bill Clinton or Jesse Jackson or anyone, should they sit down and come to me and ask, well, they may would appreciate the fact that you point out that they are evil. Yeah. And they say, wow, this is one somebody that can admit mm -hmm. that I'm evil, so that's yeah. the person I like to go to. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I've okay. enjoyed talking to you. Did you enjoy yourself? Yes, I have, certainly have. Did, is there something you'd like to add in the last 15 minutes, I mean 15 seconds or so that we have left? Oh, goodness. Uh, 30 uh, seconds or so. Jesus loves you, and he died for you on the cross, and... If you'll accept him as your Lord and Savior, this evil good that we've been talking about, you can transfer your own self from evil into good. Uh, of course, you don't do it. Jesus does it for you. But accepting him, turning to him, that, uh, that's the bottom line. What age do you have to be in order to accept him? Oh, uh, I know some people at four years old. Okay. Could. I've also I had a man of 90-something in our church here a while back. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yep. Hi, my name is Jesse Lee Peterson, and I'm founder and president of BOND, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. Our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. We are a nonprofit organization, been around for almost 15 years now. We have a home for young men age 13 to 25, helping them to overcome anger, uh, find jobs, finish school, start businesses, and we have done it without the help of the government. I also host the Jesse Lee Peterson Show right here on uh, Primetime Christian Broadcast, God's Learning Channel, and I invite you to tune in, and if you have any questions or information about uh, uh, ideas about the show, give me a call. My information is right there, my website, my phone number. Do not hesitate to give me a call. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your emails, your letters, and your phone call uh, in the past. Thank you so much, and God bless you. For an audio or video copy of this program, please call or write the address on the screen. Please include the program number when ordering.